You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. I want to preach you to something today that I, I do have a little bit of, uh, I wouldn't say anxiety, but I want the word of the Lord to be spoken today. I was praying here yesterday morning very specifically, very specifically the Lord spoke to me and shared with me what I want to share with you. And so we're going to look at John chapter number three, and then we're going to look at first John chapter number two. Today, this isn't about any man's opinion. This isn't about any man's idea or agenda. This is about the word of the Lord and about the truth of God's word. John chapter number three, verse 16, very familiar passage of scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Two phrases I'd lift from this. For God so loved the world, verse 16, the closing phrase in verse 17, that the world through him might be Saved In 1 John, chapter number 2, he writes, verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Can we say that together? For all that is in the world. Say these three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. That's why you shouldn't love the world. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Yeah. Amen. I want to talk to us, if I can, on this thought today, the truth about pride. The truth about pride. In our world today, it is deemed Pride Month. And I want to preach to you by the authority and in the fear of the Lord, the truth about pride. I need you to help me pray today because we want God to have his way today. Would you lift your voice with me, Lord? In Jesus' name, I thank you today for your spirit. I thank you for the blessing of your presence that we feel in this house. 
thank you, God, for every guest, every visitor, every friend, every member. Lord, that is here today. Our hearts are toward you. We are here today because of you. So we come and we give you liberty and we give you license today to speak and to move into our heart and into our soul. And I pray today, God, let lives be changed. Let my mind and let my life come into alignment with you, with your will, with your purpose. And I pray this today in your holy name, in the name of Jesus. God, to you, we give you the glory and we give you the honor and we give you the praise in this house this morning. Amen. Would you clap your hands into the Lord today? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated today in the name of the Lord. The truth about pride. John 3.16 declares emphatically, clearly, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. Yet in 1 John, we are told that all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. He loved the world that the world through him might be saved. God loves. There's a quote I ran across some time ago, and as I was studying for our midweek, I, I, I passed over it again this past week, and that is this, that truth without love is not real truth. And love without truth is not real love. Truth without love is not real truth. And love without truth is not real love. Therefore, the prophets would stand of old as the mouthpiece of God. The New Testament Writers would write, and they would admonish, and they would warn. They would declare the truth, the truth about God and His righteousness and His holiness, about His purity. They would declare the truth about His omnipotence and His power and His Presence. They would declare the righteousness of God and they would declare that sin has no place before a holy God. That sin is what separates. That sin is what destroys. That sin is what has caused us to be put at an impossible distance from God. But God in His great Love saw to it that he could span that gulf that is fixed. He could span the impossibilities that are presented in the reality of our situation and that that all-powerful and that holy God could step into time and space 
into an unholy world, into a broken world, into impossible situations, and that God could redeem, and that God could restore, and that God could heal, and that God could make new again. We bear today in this sanctuary, we bear the testimonies of the power of the love of God. We are witnesses today to the great things that God can do in our life if we will only yield to him the opportunity. We today stand in our worship and in our devotion and in our our praise and declaration. We stand as monuments, amen, for all time that God can do the impossible. Let me say it again. God can do the impossible. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Songwriter said, he didn't have to do it, but he did. Somebody said, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, where would we be? Amen. I'm here today because God does the impossible. I'm not just talking about financial problems. Yes, those are real. I'm not just talking about sicknesses and disease in the body. Yes, those are real. But I'm talking about the goal amen, that sin brings, amen. I'm talking about the weight and the bondage that sin puts and lays hold on your soul and on your mind and on your spirit. God can break those chains. God is a deliverer. We sing about it. He is a way maker. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise God for that. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord today. Hallelujah. We thank God for that. Amen. But truth without love is not real truth, but love without truth is not real love. I want to give you two truths today. The first truth that I would share with you can be seen in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 18, and that is this. It says simply in its discourse, about pride and destruction, it says, Pride goeth before destruction, and an haughty spirit before a fall. The first truth is this that there is no hope in pride. There is no hope in pride. America has committed an entire month to destruction by self-proclaiming that this month is pride month. Now, before you think that I am here to bash an individual or a character or someone, I'm here to tell you I've already put this disclaimer out, and this is where we're going back to that God loves every single soul. We believe that God loves every single human being. The deformed, all the way down to the most vile and the most wicked that have ever 
lived and walked on the face of this earth. Our theology does not come from our opinions. Our theology comes from the word of God. But hear me, the world is marching around in pride. The world is declaring itself proud. And I'm here to tell you that God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. There is no hope in pride. There is no blessing in pride. There is no benefit in self-exaltation. And that is exactly what we see taking place in our world today. Pride Month is the label that our culture puts upon the movement of the LGBTQ+. It is specifically a label that is placed upon a bold and brash arrogance of sexual immorality. All things that are outside of God's order and God's plan as established in the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created male and female. He made man in his own image. Anything that comes outside of that is a self-exaltation. It is a defiance and a rebellion to what God has not only created, but what God has established. It is putting our thoughts and our desires and our evil imaginations on par with the Word of God. It is saying, I know what God's Word says, but we're going to set that aside. This is what we say. And we have torn down the very, the very natural creative things that God has established throughout all of human history. It's established and written plainly in Scripture. And we, we hide behind it as a culture and a nation under the label of pride. It's pride month. I'm here to I'm here to sound the call, to sound the alarm. Amen. To the spirit of our world and our age, this is not going away. This is not going to retreat. It's getting bolder. It, it comes up in everything. You can't even go to buy a candy bar today without it being in your face. It is promoted, not just among adults, but now it is promoted and pushed and forced upon our children. It's amazing how many people have picked this up and forced this among our children. It must be taught now to our children from, from age kindergarten all the way through. It's in every avenue of our entertainment. It constantly shows up and it's under the label of pride without even getting into the details of what they're talking about. Proverbs 16 and 18 gives us the truth that pride goes before destruction. It was the Old Testament prophet that wrote and said sin is a reproach to any nation. 
We don't even realize what we're doing. We don't even know what we are playing with. We don't even know as a culture, as a society, as politicians, we don't even know what we are doing. And we're all doing it under the banner of pride. I'm here to tell you that America is headed for destruction, that this world is headed for destruction. I wish I could change the truth. I wish I could say something else. I wish I could bring something else, but I'm here to tell you that truth without love is not real truth, and love without truth is not real Love. I cannot afford to be silent in my home. I cannot afford to be silent with my family. I cannot afford to be silent with my church because there is a destruction that is coming. We are marching behind the banner of pride. And with pride is tethered all kinds of things that we did not want. It starts out just innocent. It starts out not innocent. It starts out just minute. And then it picks up something else. And then it grows to something else. And it grows to something else. This is not something new. We don't have to go through all of the details to understand that God made us as human beings. He gave to us our physical bodies. And He puts within us, He puts within each of us natural sexual desires. But those desires are to be placed not first they are to be placed second God comes first his order his plan and God says what I have given you is a blessing but it is only a blessing within these parameters if you keep it within these parameters it will bless you it will satisfy you it will bring joy it will bring fulfillment it will it will make you a whole being and out of that will come the bounty of blessings, the inheritance. Children will come from that. It was God's design that procreation through His command would be something that we would be uh, 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 experience joy in. Here's what I'm saying. Obedience to God, His order, and His law. God designed that when we obey Him, there would be joy, there would be blessing, there would be external testimonies to what God has done but sin comes in and Satan comes in and he begins to lie and he tells you it's better if you if you if you go after your own way it's more satisfying if you don't follow after God and now we've got children babies that don't know what they are we have we have adults that don't know what they are we have people because of sin that have been victims of abuse and all kinds of horrible things in their life and now they're living in confusion. They don't know there, there has been a stirring up of our, of our decaying fleshly nature of desires that are not what God intended for us. And we hide behind the banner of pride and we just, we don't even realize how much it's pulling us down, how much it's destroying us. We, we exhaust 
exalt ourselves just like, amen, in Romans chapter number one. Go with me for just a moment because the word of God is powerful. Look at what he says in verse number 18. He says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Skip down, if you will, down to verse number 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful. Look, how did it start out? It started out as pride. Pride that wouldn't say thank you. Pride, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Pride that says, yeah, I see you over there, God, but I'm going to be my own God. I'm going to be my own Lord. I'm going to be my own boss. Yeah, I see you over there, but I'm going to do my own. It starts out as pride, but became vain in their foolish imaginations, and their foolish heart was dark and professing themselves to be wise. They became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and to creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. It started out as pride. And from pride it turned to idolatry. And from idolatry it turned to uncleanness. Paul is giving us a pattern. You can go back in the, in the Old Testament. This is no stranger to the church or the people of God. It came, it manifests itself many times in different ages. The same pattern, pride and idolatry and then uncleanness. If you go back to the Old Testament and you study idolatry everywhere, there was idolatry, there was gross Sexual immorality, it went together. It was tethered together. We don't have time to get into all of that. And they changed. Look at what it says. The glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. They said, God, we see you, but we don't like what you say. We don't like what you're telling us, so we're going to make our own God. These gods were no more gods, but they were gods that were after the inventions of man's own mind to be able to justify their own convenient desires, and God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own flesh to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Look at verse 26. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Paul is writing here without being explicit. He is, he is specifically addressing the issues. And he said, likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their heir, which was Meet And even as they did not like to retain God and their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. God said, you don't want to listen to me. I, the worst thing that could ever happen 
is when God allows us to become what we are fighting him to be. The worst thing that could ever happen is when God, through his grace and mercy, is trying to reach us, and we say, no, God. We hold on to our addictions and our afflictions and our our problems and our pains. God is a God, and he loves us, but God will not force himself upon us. He will not force the bottle out of your hand. He will not force the needle out of your hand. He will not force the porno out of your house. God gave them over to be filled with all unrighteousness and fornication, wickedness and covetousness and maliciousness, full of envy and murder and debate and deceit and malignity and whispers and backbiters and haters of God and despiteful and proud and boasters and inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. You see, with pride, there is tethered a whole bunch of stuff. It's not just one thing that Paul's bringing out. It's not just one sin. It's not just homosexuality. It's not just, it's not just vile affections. It's not just sexual perversion. But he said from there it goes on, and you can see all of the things that it brings. He says, who knowing the judgment of God, look at this, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Why is America headed for destruction? Because before we got to this point, we laughed about it. We invited it into our homes. We invited it into our families. We invited it into our houses through our entertainment. And we had pleasure in vile and evil things. And I'm telling you, the prophets weren't wrong. Sin has never worked out good, never has, and never will. Sin does not work in our life. You cannot put sin on the shelf and say, well, I'm not involved with it, but you still bring it in and it doesn't do something. It is tethered to so many things and and it pulls down. Look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Paul writes again here, he says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I'm telling you, we, we, we cannot just sit around and ignore all of the sexual immorality that is rampant in our nation, in our communities, and God forbid, even in our homes, and just expect it not to affect us. The Bible says God is not Mocked. Help us, Holy Ghost. In 2 Peter chapter number 2, Peter is writing about the coming of the Lord. And here he warns. In chapter number 2 and verse number 4, he's writing here to admonish us. And he says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities 
of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the righteous, for that righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of the judgment to be punished. But look at verse 10. In verse 10 he says, But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. What does he say? Paul is talking about the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world is driven by this, the lust of the flesh. He says they despise government. What does he mean by that? They despise authority. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me what I can and cannot do. Don't tell me how fast I can go. Don't tell me whether I can do this or not. And I'm telling you, we've seen, we've seen a rising up of pride like never before in this last year. Don't tell me. And there's this spirit. We are driven by what the world is, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of a life. Peter is warning. He's saying to them, listen to me. God has already been here. It's never worked out. The angels that exalteth himself, God reserves them in judgment. The old world that Noah was spared from, it was full of pride. You know how that pride was manifest? You go back and you study the text. You look at what it was saying. It was all kinds of sexual immorality, all kinds of sexual perversion and abuse, so much that God, the Bible says, repented that he made man. He looks down. No, it's horribly wrong and out of all of the world he can only find one man pride is not giving hope pride has no future pride brings you before the judgment of God pride drags you to the execution of God's justice he he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah but then he highlights that God was able to save Lot God was able to save Lot, but the city was lost. And herein is where the enemy jumps in and lies to the church. He tells the church, look at this world that's so sick and so lost in pride and evil. There's no hope for the world. There's no hope for the world. They're lost. He tells the church, those that have gone so far to redefine their God-given gender and the purpose of sexuality, there's no hope for them. But I'm here to give you two truths today. The first truth is there is no hope in pride. Amen. But the second truth is there is hope 
in the love of God. I look and I say, God is their hope. As I prayed in here yesterday, God is their hope. How do you save a soul that's so confused and so tormented? Somebody that can't even know their own natural gender. They, they don't even have the ability to... That, that, how, do, how, do, how do you save someone that is driven by desires that they don't want to be driven by? They're, they're so messed up. They're, they're, there's a dysfunction in their brain. There's a dysfunction in their heart. How do you save them? Is it even possible? Is there hope? I am here to declare from the Word of God that there is hope. There is hope. Why? Because God can do the impossible. Hear me, hear me today. The context of what was written. Look, God knew what he was saying. Peter, Peter it, it explains it. It was already established in that context. When, when the word was given, John tells us in his epistle that the world, don't love the world, don't love the things of this world. There's nothing good in this world. All that's in this world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life and the lust. It passes away. The lust is going to take you down a road of death and destruction. That is the world. With knowing that, John writes his epistle. But then later, John will write his gospel. And it's in the gospel of John in the same context that he says, for God so loved the world. America's headed for destruction. But you don't have to be. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I love America. I, be, I would subscribe probably to a, American exceptionalism. I, I thank God for the liberties and the freedoms. We know it's not perfect, and we've addressed those, and we talked about those. But I thank God for all of the liberties that we have. But what I am here to declare today, and the reason why I say this, America is headed for destruction, is because we are a system of man. We have disenfranchised ourselves from God, and we have voted God out of every capacity, in every place. And I know that there are some that are holding on and still believing. And I, I, I thank God for every person that is laboring, every politician, every servant leader, every community leader. And we pray for them. We pray for our community leaders here. We've been doing that every month. But our hope is not in the wisdom of men. A law, a politician, another program does not go down in somebody's mind and do some kind of spiritual surgery and help them come out thinking amen or healed or from the wounds of their heart but I am here to tell you that the love of God the power of God today can do the impossible can reach in the impossible place and so while our world may be headed for destruction I'm here to tell you that we have a gospel it is the good news of Jesus Christ that he saves that he heals that he delivers and that he can set free. Oh, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There is hope. It's coming to every home. It's coming to every table. The iniquities and the sins of our world. I've got, I've got bad news for you. Sinners sin. 
And when sinners sin, that sin leads them down farther, darker paths. It's coming to every home. I may be your pastor and I may be your preacher today, but at some point in your life, in your family, if not already, very soon, you will have to make a decision. You will have to confront the realities of the movement of the LGBT community, of what is happening. And it's not that community. I pray God saves that community. But the agendas behind that, not driven by people, but driven by the spirit of this world. Satan is manipulating and using people. You will have to identify it. You will have to see it. And you will have to choose on which side you're going to stand. It gets quiet in the church house today. Not because, I thank God, because we should never be about bashing people or individuals. But there gets a quietness sometimes that I, I believe, if we're not careful, we, we should be slow to speak out because truth without love is not real truth. But we must speak. Silence is not the answer. Your children are looking towards you. There's going to be a time where you're going to have to determine and you're going to have to say, look, I love you with all of my heart. I have nothing against you and we can do this, but there are some areas I cannot go. And I do stand on what the word of God says. That doesn't mean that I offer a hopeless situation to someone else. No, I do the opposite. I offer a hopeful situation. Go back to Mount Sinai. They were, they were Moses up in the mountain 40 days. What do they do? They build a golden calf. And they start worshiping around that calf. What did that worship include? It included all kinds of sexual immorality. You go to the city of Jericho and there they were going into the promised land. Yet God spared them. You go to Jericho, they're going into the promised land. And there, who do they save? A harlot of Jericho. If you go back and you discover what was actually going on in that culture, you look at their human sacrifices and what they were doing in those, in those so-called pagan societies. They're, they would have child sacrifices. And the child sacrifices of that day, I, I hate to be so gruesome, but the child sacrifices of that day were the babies that were born out of relationships that they did not want. They wanted their sexual liberty without having to deal with the consequences. And so they didn't know what to do. Now you have all of these extra children that you weren't planning on. And so out of the gods of convenience, they created gods and they offered their own children. How does a society get to that place where it offers its own children and does not, and does not uh, uh, even blink at the situation or the issue? I'm here to tell you, this is not a political statement. Don't be, don't be pulled into that trap. This is about right versus wrong. This is about God's will versus man's will. This is about pride and exalting itself against the knowledge of God. But yet in Jericho, who did God save? He saved Rahab, the harlot. <laughs> she was saved out of there. There was an Assyrian nation that was so wicked and so evil, and yet Yet God told Jonah, Jonah, I know what they've done to your family. I know what they've done to you. But Jonah, you have to go and preach. 
Jonah didn't want to because he knew the power of God's grace. He ran from God. God puts him in the belly of a well. Three days he prays, God, I'll go. And when he gets to Nineveh, Jonah did not like the Ninevites so much that if you look at his prophecy, he preached the most hellfire brimstone sermon without hope. He preached it without love. He preached it. All he said is you're going to burn. You're going to die. God's going to judge you but they fell on their face and they started praying and no matter how wicked or how vile a people who were not in covenant with God were spared because they changed pride month to a month of humility and a month of repentance I'm here to tell you that there is hope there is hope in the love of God Hallelujah, 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 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I come to a close as they come to the music. I'm preaching to the person today that has had thoughts and desires that have shocked you. And you wonder, God, where did these come from? I'm preaching to the person today that has wondered if there is something wrong with you. I want you to know there's nothing more wrong with you than there is with every single one of us. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. God knew how deep your mess God knew how twisted your problems. God knew how far you would go. And he looked at that and said, I'll I'll go die for them that they might be saved. If God can save out of the bar room and out of the crack house, There's no place that God's grace and love cannot reach. God can save you. God can save you. The power of God is this. He says, He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil that men love darkness rather than light 
It's the woman caught in the act of adultery that's brought before the Lord. It's the people at Mount Sinai. It's the Ninevites. It's Rahab, the harlot of a wicked Jericho that God would graft into the genealogies of Messiah. God can save. So in our haste to see the execution of God's justice and God's judgment, let us not be swift to pick up stones. Because now is not the time. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and I will repay. He will. It is time to sound the alarm that there is a judgment coming. It is time to sound the alarm that sin will not stand. But now we are to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That in the corners of your heart, that in the closed doors of your life, God can save you. Stand together with me this morning. Is there anybody in here that can remember before you were living for God and God changed your life that you desired things that would repulse you today? You partook of things. You did things. You, you got some kind of worldly pleasure out of something today that would put you off. But when God came down and changed you, your desires changed. I'm here to tell you that God can do that in every life. We, we in our, our nation have paraded sexual immorality around so carelessly. With the advent of technology and social media, it is, wow. To our teenagers and to our young people, I'm sorry. You have to live in front of this constantly. It's terrorizing for those of us that are older to think of what we might have done had we lived through a day like this. But the hope I have is that God can save. And not only can God save, God can keep. God can keep. There was an Esther that walked out of a Babylon. She's in the Medes and the Persian Empire, and he's looking for a virgin. He's looking for another young wife. And in the Babylonian Empire that they had conquered, it was a custom that every female must make herself available publicly before she was eligible for marriage. That was the context and the culture which they lived in. And yet in the middle of that, God still had an Esther. Mom and dad, we don't have to cower to the spirit of fear in this world. 
We can pray a banner of God. We can pray the Holy Ghost, and there can be something that gets inside of our hearts. Had God not saved me, had God not saved my family, I don't know where I would be. But I'm here to tell you, you don't know where God saved me from. You don't know where God saved my family from. You don't know the pit that God pulled them out of. But I thank God that he did. And I'm here to tell you that there is a greater truth than the truth that this world is headed to destruction. And that is that there is hope in the love of God. Come on, I wonder right now if somebody could just lift your voice towards heaven today. God, what this world does not need is another pride. Oh, we need, we need humility. We need hope. There is no hope in pride, but God, there is hope in you. There is hope in you, Lord, today. You alone are the answer, but today, God, you can break every yoke and you can break every chain and you can break every sin. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are people in here today I know I'm preaching to. And at, at a sermon like this, when you give an altar call, there is a concern. Who's coming down? What are they going to think? And so today we need to do altar call a little bit different. If you need hope today, if you need healing, if you need salvation, if you need victory, God's here for you today. And I want to invite you to an altar because there's something powerful about stepping out and letting God know that I'm here. But I also want to invite the parents and the brothers and the sisters and the mothers and the fathers of those that know hopeless situations. I also want to invite people that maybe your sin is a different sort of sin, but the enemy is lying to you in any way. And I also want to invite people that just need hope in their life. God has hope for you, for every man, every woman, every marriage. God has hope today. We're going to sing just a little bit. We're going to pray. We're going to baptize Shanti today because she's putting her faith in Jesus Christ as the Scripture commands. I'm challenging you. Would you join me at an altar today? Would you find a place to pray? Maybe you want to kneel right where you're sitting today. Maybe you want to turn your pew or your balcony into a prayer place today. But the love of God is more powerful than anything else.